0: Welcome to the BMC podcast. Today we're talking to Rebecca Pedley, PhD student and research associate at the University of Manchester, about family members' perceptions of obsessive compulsive disorder. Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about obsessive compulsive disorder?
1: Sure. So OCD is a mental health problem which is thought to affect about 1-3% to of the population at some point in their life their lifetime the main symptoms are obsessions and compulsions obsessions are unwanted thoughts images or impulses which keep coming back into the person's mind again and again even if they try and stop them the types of things that people obsess about can be can be quite wide-ranging and different for different people so for example some people might worry have a recurrent thought about having left the hob on or the house catching fire other people might fear that they they could have even inadvertently hit someone whilst driving home in their car and they might you might have that thought again and again despite the fact that they didn't actually drive recklessly and they have no reason to believe that they uh, might have done such a thing. So they can be very, very uh, varied and compulsions are often very repetitive actions that people do uh, to try and reduce the amount of distress they experience as a result of the obsessions. So often compulsions can be physical behaviours. For example, you might check the hobbies off again and again Or they might be things like taking a photo of a switch to provide evidence to themselves later on that they did actually turn the light off, for example. But they can also be things that people don't do. So they can be things like, um, for example, the person who might worry they'd driven over someone on the way home, they might stop driving altogether. And um, compulsions can be also quite covert, so not very visible to other people. So they might be things like saying something in the mind over and over again to help prevent a bad thing from happening. So they're not always physical behaviours. And although compulsions make people feel better in the short term, the problem is that this is quite a short-term relief and actually the anxiety and the thoughts just keep coming back. So the cycle just continues over and over.
0: What effects does this condition have on the life of both sufferers and their family members?
1: Well, OCD can have a really severe impact on the person. Although I think a lot of people can relate to some of the things that people with OCD do, like going back to check the house is locked. The difference is that for people with OCD, the symptoms start to consume significant portions of time in their life. It can become really debilitating, interfering with their ability to get on with work, school, um, as well as their relationships with other people. Um, And for family members, the impact can be quite significant also. So we know that family members' quality of life can be reduced by OCD. Um, They can experience a great deal of of burden um, and distress as a consequence of caring for a loved one with OCD and one of the reasons for this is that family members can actually become quite embroiled in the OCD themselves Uh, this is sometimes known as accommodation so it's where family members start to help the person to perform compulsions Um, for example they might help them to perform a check and verify something is definitely done Um, or they might enable them to avoid things that would cause them difficulties so if that person's worried about blocking the house they might the family member might ensure they're the last person to leave the house so that that the person with OCD isn't responsible for that task anymore so obviously this starts to cause problems can cause problems for the whole family Um, and it's easy to see why family members might do this um, because they want to help relieve the distress of their loved one but in the long run we know this can actually worsen the person's OCD um, because it reinforces it and it actually. You know, The person never gets the chance to see that if they didn't perform the compulsion, actually the feared event might never have happened.
0: What interventions do we currently have for OCD and how do these involve family member participation?
1: Uh, well, in, in recent decades, treatments have really moved forward for OCD and there are some very effective treatments available which can help a lot of people. So the key ones are um, this, this cognitive behaviour therapy with exposure response prevention. Um, that is a special form of CBT where people are asked to uh, face their fears without actually ritualizing. Um, And people move up uh, working from something that's less troubling to them to more and more difficult challenges. And hopefully they become, um, it, they find things more, um, they're able to overcome their OCD um, or significantly improve it. Another part of that is um, there's, there can be family member involvement in that kind of treatment because, family members can actually help by not accommodating the rituals and compulsions in the way I was talking about earlier. Um, they can um, try and reduce the amount that they assist people. And this sort of therapy, I think is quite difficult for both the person with OCD and the relative because it, for the relative, it means almost saying no to helping the person with OCD out uh, and not accommodating them. But also for the, for the person with OCD, it involves facing situations which are actually very distressing and anxiety-provoking for them. But we know that in the long run, uh, they can be quite beneficial. And we know that about 80% of people who um, engage this kind of therapy can make substantial improvements. And another key therapy to mention is um, medication. And selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, can also be very effective
0: what led you to investigate this issue?
1: Uh, well, we we were aware of the significant impact that OCD can have on family members um, and that their responses to this mental health problem were a- an issue, you know, in terms of causing themselves burden, but also, um, as I said, reinforcing the compulsions, reinforcing OCD. Um, but we, the, we also questioned whether the way that family members understand the condition might be one factor which determines how they how they then respond to OCD and, and that level of burden and distress that they feel themselves. We know from other areas of research that the way people see a health condition can determine how they respond to it and the way they understand it. So we wanted to see whether this was the case for the family members of people with OCD. So for that reason, we decided to do some interviews with people with family members to find out and capture how they find how they understand OCD, how they perceive it and um, with the the broader aim of developing a questionnaire that can then assess how family members see OCD.
0: And how did you choose participants for this study?
1: We, we through two sources really. We, we did recruit some participants through a larger study that was going on in my department at the time. There was a large OCD treatment trial taking place and we sent invitations to people in the trial and asked them if they wanted to nominate a family member. Uh, another method of recruitment we used was through online advertisement. So we um, we had some really helpful, great support from OCD charities and anxiety charities who were happy to put the study advert on their websites and share it through social media. Um, and lots of people came forward through that kind of route as well. Um, I think it's also important to note, we We only interviewed family members if the person with OCD that they were related to actually gave their consent for us to speak to the family member and they themselves were willing to take part in a short interview. We wanted to make sure uh, through this interview that the person met diagnostic criteria for OCD. Um, so that we, we could be sure that we were talking genuinely to family members of people with OCD, which is obviously quite important for the integrity of the study.
0: And what were the common perceptions that arose from these people you interviewed?
1: Well, we found that rather than seeing OCD and their relative as two very distinct and separate things, family members were almost seeing OCD as part of who their relative was. So, for example, when family members talked about the causes of their relative's OCD, they thought that the person was um, vulnerable to OCD because there was something very fundamental to that person uh, that wasn't going to change that made them vulnerable. So this could sometimes be a biological cause for things like a genetics, um, their genetics or their brain, as they call it brain wiring. But um, so it was often characterized as a kind of personal characteristic that made that person vulnerable to OCD. So something about their personality, their character, their way of thinking. So, for example, we had a mother who said uh, she's was talking about her son, and she said that's the way he sees things, that's the way he processes things, the way he behaves from when he was from being younger. Um, another example: there was a, a husband who was, uh, sorry, a wife was talking about her husband, and she thought that the fact he was a very caring person um, made him actually vulnerable to OCD because the thoughts he had were very horrifying to him. And that someone else who was less caring might not um, develop OCD because of the fact that um, they could just bounce those thoughts off and they, they wouldn't become an issue to them. So it was actually her husband's character. she saw a scene um, she saw as making him vulnerable to OCD. And of course that wasn't his character she saw as something that wasn't likely to change. And I think uh, the problem with this kind of way of thinking family members is that it did make family members a bit more pessimistic about the chance of that person ever overcoming OCD. Um, as one person said, it's, it's part of her and she has to live with it. And another key way in which family members uh, linked person to OCD was when family members talked about their relatives' day-to-day behaviours. Um, and there was evidence that it wasn't always clear to family members which aspects of the person with OCD's thinking and behaviour might be driven by OCD so for example um one family member was talking about when she got to know her partner and she said that uh she hadn't been able to recognize his symptoms initially because she just you know that was the way he'd always been and she thought it was part of his personality so she realized after a while that actually these some of these things changed some of these behaviors got worse and better and actually she started to pick out that some of these things might be part of OCD Um, and another way, another example is that even though family members were very clear that OCD um, was very distressing and a very unwanted condition, they also sometimes identified behaviours that were not as distressing um, or, you know, they didn't see as distressing or they thought it might actually benefit the person with OCD slightly. Um, and they still seem to be seeing that as related to the condition. So, for example, a mother was talking about her son and she was explaining that his his obsessiveness, as she saw it, was sometimes used to his advantage. So he could it could drive his ability to um, train for a for a bike for a bike ride event he was going to take part of. And I think these these findings show there's a degree of ambiguity about um, you know where the line is. So there was actually a, one lady did say she wasn't sure where the OCD ends and my husband's personality comes in, as she put it. And then finally, there was a perception of OCD as a trait that could exist at different levels through the uh, general population. So, we heard some people say things like "everyone has a little bit of OCD." At the same time, though, there were whilst that we did have people saying that, they they people weren't always happy about when the general public used such phrases. So, uh, when the general public used it, people were sort of taken at as to mean that they didn't really understand what OCD was, and they were actually trivialising the condition by saying that really it wasn't anything that serious. So I think um, people found that quite upsetting and um, thought it was really a misuse of the term.
0: So what were some of the key concerns or issues that emerged from your study?
1: Well, uh, one of the issues is that if OCD is seen as closely tied to the individual, um, this did seem to lead to, a, as I say, a sort of permanency about the condition as people saw it. And, and almost an acceptance that it was just kind of part of them, um, and we, that might lead to further accommodation of symptoms. So it might lead to a degree of an acceptance. You know, this person can't do anything about it. We just need to go along with it. And there was uh, there were a couple of examples where that seemed to have been the case in our in our sample. Um, we also, as we know. Um, Accommodation isn't a helpful thing for OCD and that this might be um, something that uh, we need to look into further. So further research might need to more firmly establish whether this kind of way of thinking about OCD actually does lead to uh, further uh, to problematic responses in relatives, such as accommodation. Um, similarly if the person perceives the person to have some good some obsessions which are maybe less of an issue or maybe even good this might be a a difficulty because it could be that it could mean on one hand the person the family member is not really recognizing distress even when it's there because it might not be apparent in the person's behavior that whether or not they're actually underneath experiencing distress Um, that again could lead to family members kind of going along with it because they don't see it as an issue but on the other hand um, it might be that the person, family members, are over-applying the OCD diagnosis to the person and almost seeing any aspect of that person, um, person's behaviour, as part of OCD. And um, as I've discussed, that seems to lead to a view of a pessimistic view about the disorder and um, seeing it as a permanent part of who they are. Uh, another key issue is that, of course, it, it, it emphasises that there's maybe a need for more public und- public awareness about mental health and, in particular, OCD. Um, and a much more deeper understanding. I think that, as we've just said, there's, you know, a much more... Everyone seems to know what OCD... Well, they've heard of the term. Um, it's been on TV a lot. I think it's shared around on social media quite a lot. But they there might be a perception, or well, certainly the family members saw the general public as having the perception that um, people understood it as just meaning something that someone who was very perfectionist and maybe particular, uh, and maybe even that it was seen as a positive thing and i think on one hand uh, emphasizing the similarities between people with mental health problems and and those without mental health problems might be something that we could see as positive in terms of it reducing stigma but i do think that it was still a source of, of distress to, to family members that actually when used by the general public it actually reflected misunderstanding. Um, And that they, you know, they wanted other people to recognize the degree of um, impact that OCD had on their loved one and for themselves. I think, obviously, a further problem with public misunderstanding is that it might perpetuate the problem of of poor recognition of OCD for others in the future. So we know that there's a big delay in people accessing treatments for OCD. So I think we need to do more to understand the best ways of increasing awareness, you know, and, and actually increasing awareness to it that's a a proper and full understanding of what the condition is.
0: What are the implications of your study for future service provision or policy?
1: We now need to find out how important these perceptions are. Um, So we need to find out, do they really, do these perceptions, now we've identified them, do they lead to uh, certain ways of coping and responding to OCD? So we need to do this over time by assessing how family members COCD, perhaps using a questionnaire, and then over time testing whether this affects their outcomes, you know, and how burdened and distressed they feel and, and whether they are, you know, their level of accommodation, as I mentioned. Um, and if we find that family members do, um, you know, these perceptions do affect how they respond and their burden and, and distress, it might uh, suggest that there might be better ways of, of Of uh, helping family members to support people with OCD. For example, as part of therapy, it might be the case that um, a therapist helps the person, the family member, to um, think, well, to develop more helpful ways of thinking of OCD, which might lead to them um, providing more positive support that will help themselves and the person with OCD in the long run, too.
0: To read and hear more science stories, subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, at Biomed Central, or visit our blogs at blogs.biomedcentral.com. All of our published research articles are also openly accessible on biomedcentral.com. Thank you for listening.